What is up, guys? Thank you so much for checking out this edition of the New Generation Hero Talk Podcast. I am your host, EJ Stewart. we got a great show lined up for you guys today. We're going to be talking a lot about some stuff set by Kevin Feige. He did his car wash of interviews where he pretty much talked to, it seemed like any outlet that had the means and the name recognition to warrant the Kevin Feige interview, they got one. And he, he talked a lot about the future of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So we got some info regarding Deadpool, some info regarding the X-Men, um, some info on some of these uh, TV series that they're working on. So really a lot of stuff to discuss. We'll try to get into as much of it as we can. We also have um, some some news, not necessarily from Feige, but some interesting news regarding a, a major uh, former Fox character potentially making their debut in the Marvel Cinematic Universe in Black Panther 2. So I want to talk to Kendall about that, as well as uh, the, the re-signing. It's weird. I feel like it's like a sports re-signing, but the, the re-signing of uh, Walter Hamada as the head of DC. It's been a bit of a tumultuous year, but uh, the, the company Warner Media, Warner Media did announce that uh, Hamada will be signed on through the year 2023. So we'll give you guys our thoughts on that. So it should be a good show. Shamari... He's not with us today, so uh, he'll hopefully be back with us next week. But Kendall, as I said before, is with us. Kendall, what's up, man? And did you see um, Feige's kind of response to questions about when we'll be seeing Black Widow? Because he sounded very um, like he didn't know when the hell we were going to see the movie, which is not encouraging, obviously. (laughs) Yes. uh, You know, basically, you know, the, 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 the quote was, hope springs eternal. Uh, is what right. Kevin Feige said when he was asked, essentially saying, uh, well, we hope Black Widow comes out, nah, but who knows? Um, yes, that is, well, first of all, EJ, glad to be here. Um, it's it's going to feel a lot like an episode of Sports Talk, just me and EJ, but um, also, EJ, you know, you mentioned Feige did an interview with any outlet uh, that, that with the merit. To get an interview with Feige, uh, we didn't get that interview. Well, yeah, one day I hope that will be us, but we're yeah, not there yeah, yet. We get uh, clearly, but, <laughs> but we're we're we yeah. I want to interview the people interviewing Feige. That's where <laughs> that's where we're at at the moment. Uh, you just giving away the the the, the company secrets. No, <laughs> but yeah, no. So this is not encouraging. If you're a, if you're if you're someone that's you know like pretty much everybody that's excited and waiting to see Black Widow, just even if you're not super excited about the movie. You just, you just want to see uh, another superhero movie. We got Wonder Woman, and that was uh, a great experience. Whether I love the movie or not, it was great to be able to see another superhero movie. And you want to see Black Widow. We already had Morbius get pushed back to October. Um, I don't think anybody's shedding a tear for that one, but if Black Widow got pushed back to the fall of 2021, that would be soul-crushing for a lot of people. So, I mean, look, we've talked about it ad nauseum. So we don't have to spend a, to- a whole lot of time on it, but I mean, I've said it since I mean, since pretty much since the pandemic started, that putting Black Widow on Disney Plus at this point, I've even seen people that were, you know, there was the amount of there were those people that were like, I'd never, I wouldn't touch Black Widow on Disney Plus at a thirty dollar charge, you know, the same people that were disgusted that Disney tried to put Mulan on Disney Plus for mm-hmm. a price. Because, you know, premium for a streaming service I'm already paying for. But I've even seen some of those people say, you know what, whatever, I'll pay the 30 bucks, but release the movie. So, I don't know. I mean, again, you know, I, there is a lot of negative energy behind that, paying that amount of money. Uh, and it's going to be bad PR considering Wonder Woman 
put it on there for free. But if you paint it as, look, the alternative is we can push the movie back further and we just can't do that. You, who's going to complain? There are going to be some people complaining, but it's not going to be the masses. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 look, we, we both agree this should have been out by now. They gave it another try in this new 2021, but if 2021, it, what is shown already, it doesn't appear that we're in, <laughs> in a position where things are going to be much better this now, year. You see that Alabama national championship game, COVID, yes. I mean, yeah. those people in the streets in, in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Yeah, they, they, should, yeah, they, they should just name. They should rename Tuscaloosa into just call it Corona, Alabama. That street, that street, that that. I mean, we got to name it after after COVID at this point. Wherever that street they were on. Yeah. <laughs> so and you know COVID nineteen COVID nineteen Boulevard in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, exactly. That's where that, that's where that was. And so yes, like you said, the, yeah, the country not getting any better. Um, I just I, I don't I don't see where we're going if you continue because and you look and I know you mentioned it back when we talked about it before you know one of the times one of the many times we talked about this this topic that look piracy is a concern um, I'm sure it was a concern with Wonder Woman um, and that's they they don't want to lose that money by just putting it on Disney Plus and people pirating the movie it's gonna happen. But I would argue that piracy might be high if if you release the movie during a pandemic anyway. Like, not on Disney Plus. You put it in the theaters, you're going to have people who normally would pay the money that may say, I'd rather not get sick. So I'll find other ways to watch the movie. I don't know. You know, I mean, but you're going to deal with it. You'll probably deal with less of that. But you're also just going to have people who say, I'll wait. You know, I don't need because right. there's a lot of people that wouldn't want to watch the movie blurry and you know in a bootleg kind of version, quote unquote. But a lot, you have a lot of people who just say, "I'll wait." And at that point, do you really want that a movie that has zero hype? Because at the end of the day, what you want to do is you want to drum up hype, you want to drum up conversation. The Mandalorian was the most pirated TV show of twenty of twenty twenty. Right. But you think Disney cares? No, they shouldn't. No. They don't care because the amount of hype that they drew for that television series was worth it. They got they got a ton of people to subscribe to Disney Plus because of the Mandalorian. The property, the Star Wars brand, is as strong as it's been since the Force Awakens came out. So no, they don't care. That and we don't even talk about the merchandise that they that they got. Yeah, make that money on the back end, right? With the with the Baby Yoda dolls, right? So yeah. Yeah, I mean, I you know this. This to me, you know, we're, we're they're kind of in a no man's land position, and that's you know pretty much how you know Kevin Feige sounds. He sounds like they're in no man's land. You know, when they ask him about, um, and he also I think he knows it's not his his decision. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what he said. You know, and they asked him about you know, you know, could a Disney Plus thing still happen? He said, if I had a crystal ball, I'd look into it and tell you uh, about the future of you know movies, and I just don't. So all I can tell you is that for the past three years since Bob Iger brought me into his office and talked about a streaming platform that would become Disney Plus and asked for us to start working on programs for it, our long lead plan was to have the MCU and the storytelling woven between weekly episodic big swings on Disney Plus and into feature big swings in theaters. It's my great hope that that continues. Don't ask me week by week what is going to happen in this world. I have no idea and I don't want to guess. 
everything we've done at Marvel Studios been in, in, in the okay, if everything goes perfectly, here's what we'd like to do. And until uh, this past year, things have been going remarkably well. So, I mean, I, it sounds to me like I think he understands that th- that, that change may still come at some point. The April date that's there, or May date, whenever we're supposed to see Black Widow, seems uh, just no way that's going to happen based on where we are right now. Um, you know, it seems like the, our only chance at mitigating the virus will be the vaccine, because that's just how it's all playing out. It's not a political statement, it's just facts, it's just what we're seeing. So, and if the rollout remains this slow, it is extremely slow, and uh, almost everywhere in the country. There are some states that are doing better than others, but uh, it, overall, it's not been a smooth and fast rollout, there's no way you're going to have the amount of people needed to be vaccinated by May-ish to feel comfortable going into movie theaters or open them up even, you know. I mean, regular people, I don't think, you know, and I say regular, I mean not the non-healthcare workers, non-nursing home, elderly uh, Americans. I mean, that it looks to me like that ain't going to be till late summer at the earliest. That's the way it looks. So if that's the case, I don't know what you're doing in terms of waiting out for that date, you might as well put it on the streaming service or be ready to have to really move around everything in your schedule. You know, these shows we have, if they truly do uh, connect to to Black Widow, I mean, buckle up. I think you're going to see a massive, massive It uh, was interesting shake-up to the schedule. That Kevin Feige mentioned that, because we talked about it with WandaVision, which is coming out this week, obviously, we're all excited. Um, We'll have a review for that uh, early this weekend. Um, what's interesting is that Kevin Feige mentioned that in terms of that schedule and tying in, he mentioned that um, the WandaVision uh, pushed ahead of Falcon and Winter Soldier, which wasn't the initial plan. He actually said he preferred it that way. Mm. Which I don't know if that's him. I don't know if that's just you know CEO speak or if that's right. um, actually what he preferred. Um, you know, I'm gonna, was I'm gonna, there give, I'm, I'm gonna give him the benefit and say that this is what he wanted. Yeah, yeah, there, yeah. You know, because one, I trust Kevin Feige. You know, uh, yeah. he doesn't say things for no reason or just to lie. But I, you know, because I feel like if it wasn't, he would have said, you know, it wasn't our initial strategy, but we were making the best of what we can do. Yeah, there's but, no reason. There's no reason to lie about something like that. Yeah, I, I do wonder if if it was maybe like story wise. WandaVision maybe makes the most sense, or like he doesn't really. They probably don't connect enough to where it probably matters really that much. But he probably, you know, I feel like it was like a business decision to put Falcon Winter Soldier first because they felt like that was more of a sure property. But I don't really care at this point. You know, yeah. like Mandalorian was great, which was great for them. And um, like they're all going to come out <laughs> in short order anyway. So though I don't think they're as worried about the order of operations anymore. But it but I did real- define that. And just real quickly, you know, again, we are excited about WandaVision, and so far the uh, reactions to WandaVision are very positive by the people that have gotten their first three episodes. Eric Davis from Fandango said um, he's thoroughly enjoyed it, truly unlike anything Marvel Studios has done. It's light, funny, and fully committed to its retro sitcom inspirations, but it also carefully sprinkles in enough mystery and intrigue to keep you guessing. Um, uh, uh, Murphy's multiverse, Charlie Murphy, Charles Murphy said, WandaVision is the perfect way for Marvel Studios to reintroduce itself. If this is what uh, Marvel Studios TV is going to be, fans are going to be uh, happy for a very long time. We had uh, uh, Scott J. Davis say, 
seen the first two episodes and it is already one of my fave MCU offering, offerings. Fresh, vibrant, unique uh, entry into the behemoth. Uh, that funny, touching, exciting, curious. Uh, like nothing you have seen. Olsen, Bet- uh, Bettany, Han, and Paris all fab. Uh, just all, I mean, I haven't really seen really too many things. A lot of people talk about how That's it's very, definitely very unique. It's definitely unlike really anything Marvel has done. And yeah. I mean, I thought this was going to be a banger. Just to, just to, when I saw how wacky it was going to be, sometimes when you're going this wacky, it's like they have a plan to do something. Yeah, they know. Big. Yeah. And I imagine sometimes there's things that are most cookie cutter that end up being the worst kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And I also wonder if Feige feels that way about how he's happy that it's coming out first because maybe initially when they put out the calendar, like they didn't know which would, which would be better. But like now that they're done, they may they may know like oh WandaVision is better than and Bobby. yeah it, that's true yeah they may have seen both finished products and be like yeah this is a better show but also I think for him he probably also felt like I'm sure that the Falcon Winter Soldier thing in terms of wanting to push that first definitely felt probably more like it true. made more sense in terms of opening up this like Marvel universe to the Disney Plus app because this show is gonna be way more like the Marvel movies you've seen yeah. Whereas this is totally different than that. So it might be kind of a weird introduction to be like, hey, Marvel fans, come see this thing. But it's so different. I'm sure that the the company, you know, the Disney, Disney, no, I'm talking about the parent company now, they probably like, no, give us the thing that's way more, you know, know, popcorn, cookie cutter to what you guys normally do. But I'm sure, you know, this this creative vision that they have, a WandaVision, something they're excited about. And I'm looking forward to see it. So again, uh, we will be reviewing that show. there's a very good chance that those reviews will actually be up on our YouTube channel. So uh, we're trying to work that out, but that is right now the plan. So you might want to keep uh, your ears, eyes and ears peeled for new generation media because uh, that that's very likely, at least for the first episode, where you'll be seeing our recap of uh, the first, now two episodes of WandaVision. So we're hearing that it's going to be a premiere and then a second episode in the first week. So should be good stuff. Anyway, let's uh, continue on with more of the stuff we heard from uh, the Marvel Studios president, Kevin Feige, and a lot of it, uh, the biggest news, I think, had to uh, had to do with what he talked about with Deadpool 3. So uh, he did a ton of interviews this week, and um, during a sit-down with Collider, he announced that Deadpool 3 will, in fact, be rated R and set in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He said, quote, it'll be rated R, and we're working on a script right now, and Ryan's overseeing, Ryan Reynolds, that is, overseeing a script right now. It will not be filming this year. Ryan is a very busy, very successful actor. We've got a number of things we've already announced that we want, we now have to make happen. That we now have to make, but it's exciting for it to uh, have begun. Again, a very different type of character in the MCU, and Ryan is a force of nature, which is just awesome to see him bring that character to life. So, Kendall, now that we have um, some direction in terms of where this movie is headed, it will be in the MCU, and it will also be rated R. Um, what do you, uh, where, where would you like to see the direction of this film go? Uh, that's, that's a tough question because obviously Deadpool can go in a million different directions. Um, you know, and we'll see what happens with all this multiverse stuff, um, with WandaVision and Doctor Strange and Spider-Man. Like, I feel like once those three movies or those three stories all come out, we'll have a better handle on everything in the MCU going forward because we'll know what is possible and what the post snap 
universe is going to look like in the MCU. Right now, it's still so up in the air. I mean, Deadpool being in the MCU, how is that going to be done? Like, if we go after Spider-Man and we realize, oh, like, all the Fox characters now just in the MCU, then it's going to be easy to seamlessly just say, oh, the same guy, but somehow they all merged. Um, and now they're all in the same universe. Like, it'll make more sense. Um, but for right now, it's tough to really project where Deadpool will end up. But in terms of how he should be introduced or how he should, how Deadpool 3 should be handled, um, creatively, I wouldn't change much, which is why the rated R rating makes sense. Um, you know, as a, as a, as, as, as a movie, I think Deadpool 1 and, and, and the second one as well, I like the first one better. I think a lot of people probably like the first one better. But um, Deadpool 1 um, did such a good job with the humor. Um, the story was so low stakes. I feel you almost have to take a Spider-Man approach and utilize Deadpool as a guy who can show up, not show up in other movies, but like a guy who, who interacts with other Marvel heroes like you have to take the canvas that you've been given with Deadpool or and, and, or that you've been given with Marvel rather and put Deadpool on that canvas I don't want to see Deadpool 3 necessarily you can do it but I don't necessarily want to see Deadpool 3 with like more Colossus you know like I now I want to see Deadpool interacting with characters that he couldn't interact with before because of the obvious legal thing of Fox not being able to use Marvel characters and only be able to use X-Men and Fantastic Four characters. So that's that's my hope for Deadpool, is that we see him interact with, you know, maybe it's Spider-Man, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's, um, it doesn't even have to be a, an A-lister. Um, it could be a character that we've seen in the past that comes back. You know, it could be, it's tough to really even think of people, but I guess the point the point is that, you know, utilize this Marvel canvas as much as possible. I want this to feel like Deadpool. I want this to feel new. I want this to feel like Deadpool being in the MCU rather than um, just a continuation of the first two stories. Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of that. I feel like, you know, the second movie for Deadpool to me kind of really kind of it really played on the strengths of the first one. You know, I don't think they really... It's not a diss to it because the first one's great, and I really like the second movie. But I don't think they really did a lot to really kind of go beyond the surface that they kind of scratched with the first one. So to me, I agree. I think that the way you move forward this next one is by um, really trying to like really bring home like the fact that he's now in the MCU and with a lot of the characters that you've seen and the the world that you've been introduced to, he's now a part of that and how this oddball, crazy, um, vulgar character interacts with everyone else is just really new creative um, creative avenue I think that they need to explore. Uh, to me, the, way they, the thing I think about is, to me, you have to... I know the word has been Spider-Man, Spider-Man, Spider-Man. I don't want Spider-Man paired up with Deadpool. But I do feel like, you know... he need, I do think he needs to be paired with someone who is in the current... Uh, MCU. Someone needs to play the uh, the kind of the you know the the role that we've seen like you know teenage uh, you know super negasonic whatever like play role like someone that's someone's got to be kind of his buddy through these uh, 
films. I'm trying to figure out who that should be in the MCU. Something tells me that someone like Rhodey could be really funny with him. Like James, uh, something like uh, Cheadle. Don Cheadle would be yeah. really good. Um, but there's, you know, obviously there's a whole litany of characters that they can Ant-Man. explore. Paul Rudd, I think, would be really interesting with uh, with Deadpool. But that's what I want to see. I think for me, it would be important for them to pair him with someone who can uh, be on this kind of oddball journey with him through, like, the actual MCU. And I, I actually think that maybe even bringing back an MCU villain that we've already seen may actually help with this next movie. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... And I think Marvel knows, like, don't you don't have to keep it too serious. Is there any... Are there any MCU characters that you think would make sense that we maybe already established that you think would make sense in a rated R movie. Um, I mean, you would, they're all adults for the most part, but like any of that, like you were like, well, a rated R canvas actually makes more sense for them than it does for, I mean, Spider-Man. to me, uh, winter soldier makes sense. Uh, yeah. Rhodey. I said, I think Rhodey actually makes more sense. People think given that, you know, He's war machine. It's, it's he uses very high tech, um, really like heavy artillery machinery. And I just think that like Don, che- I, I, it's almost less about like even like what he does and just like who James Rhodes is as a character. Like I just feel like he would play off well in that environment. That's more mature. Um, trying to think of who else would be good that we've already been introduced to. But those are the two that kind of jump out at me initially. It's like, yeah, I could definitely see them in a more rated R movie. And then you mentioned Ant Man. Like Ant Man, like I see it in some degree, but I guess for me, Ant Man is just so lighthearted that like that it might be really it might take a really dark turn putting him in something like Deadpool. Yeah, that's the that's the that's the that's the that's the issue with it with yeah, the fit. So, so I have I have. You know, that would be something that I'd have a difficult time getting over. But I think, to me, like, in my first two choices, I think would be uh, Rhodey and Bucky. <laughs> I feel like him would, like... I, I kind of... I'm, I'm kind of curious, Kendall, if... Funny too. With who? Him with Rocket Raccoon could be funny, too. Oh, that could... That, that actually would be really funny. Yes, I agree with that. <laughs> Put him like, Rocket and Groot or something like that. Yeah, that would be a good pairing. I totally agree with that. I wonder... I wonder if... Feige will use uh, Deadpool in the same way that, you know, he was using Fox in that, you know, will he kind of keep Wade kind of in the X-Men mutant sandbox? And will he kind of use that as a way to catapult the X-Men, which we'll talk about a little bit later on this podcast? You know, like, that's, I think, going to be the question I'm most intrigued by, because given that Fox only had the X-Men, they didn't really touch the Fantastic Four, though there were, you know, prosy plans that maybe put them into the... um, the last Deadpool movie. Is Deadpool gonna in this first movie expand beyond the the, the X Men, you know, the toy box? And does it make sense to keep him there? Because again, maybe that's your avenue to actually continue to introduce or begin to introduce some of the mutant characters that you want to. Like that. That to me is uh like to me like like to to me like I can see a script where like Deadpool's in this new universe and there are no mutants around. And he's trying to figure out why. And like, and that being like a really funny story, and like maybe he, he ends up being like our first introduction to mutants because he's like, why are there no mutants here? I don't understand. 
Like, <laughs> I know, like, you know, me as a Deadpool fan, like, I write, I can think of, like, stories of just, like, like that off the top of my head, but I'm just like, that could be really funny. Um, and that's this whole thing. And it's like him trying to find mutants, and, like, he actually is finding them, but then maybe they're, like, crazy. Like, he's finding the people he wouldn't want ever want to find. Like, maybe yeah. he's finding, like, obviously, we already had Juggernaut, but he's, like, finding Juggernaut, who's not actually a mutant, but, you know, something like that. <laughs> uh, he's finding people he would never want to actually want to smoke with. He wants to find Charlie Xavier, but he's finding, like, you know, Mr. Sinister. Like, like, like that could actually be really funny. Um, but I wonder if, if because, you know, now he doesn't have to play in that sandbox, will they want to expand from that? I think that that's, a, that's probably, like, one of my biggest questions about how they want to handle this. Uh, any last thoughts on this, Kendall? Um, I, I do wonder when, like, I mean, they've pretty much confirmed, like, it's happening. And, it, and like, we've yeah. known for a while, like, yeah, obviously. Regardless of what Rob Litchfield was saying, we knew this was going to happen. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a priority um, when when Bye Bye Girl, yeah, know, he, he announced Deadpool and the X Men are going to be in, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, right, what are you excited about with this Fox? Oh, well, I'm super excited that we're getting Deadpool. Yeah, it that was, was like the first thing he said. Are. But I mean, financially, you know, I, I get it because it's so cheap. Like that's what I think they'll also try to hit on. Like comedy, I don't know if we're going to see a character that's going to cost a million dollars to make. You know. Oh, well, maybe a million, but not like not a, not a hundred million dollars to make. Um, so they may they may want to hit on the same, or maybe they say, look, now that we're dealing with this this sandbox of you know Marvel and Disney, now we can make a a, a big budget Deadpool movie. Um, the second one was that's certainly a higher budget than the first, but yes, maybe they can go even bigger. So that's the question. I wouldn't go bigger personally, but that 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 could be the conversation they made. One of the questions I also would have is how they play the cable thing. I think we all liked um, cable in, in the last movie with Josh Brolin, and w- how do they play that? Like, I, I think they should just hit it head on. I think that he should remain cable, and they should just just play up that like you look like the guy that they said took over the world and like killed half the people. Like, I just think that'd be a funny gag. I I don't know if they will, but I think that they shouldn't run away from it. I know Brolin was interested in continuing to play cable. I hope he stays. I think he's a perfect casting. But um, I, I'm because to me, like, I know Deadpool now has you know a really rich history at this point. But like, I think a lot of people would agree his parent Cable is amongst you know the the most important aspects of his character. I would hope that they find a way to keep that going. And if they do, um, I hope that it's still growing. And I think that will actually bring a lot of uh, funny comedy to the to the movie. But let's stay with uh, more stuff from Feige. And uh, another topic that came up in one of his interviews, I think this is with combo.com, was what we will be seeing from the Disney Plus series Secret Invasion. Feige assured that uh, the series will not be as grand in scale as the comic book series it's named after. The storybook, uh, the story was uh, written by comic book writer, uh, the legendary Brian Michael Bendis, which featured pretty much the entire Marvel Universe at the time. Feige says uh, fans should not expect anything like that. He says, uh, there were more characters in Secret Invasion uh, than there were in Endgame. So, no, uh, when he asked uh, whether or not the, ser- the show will match the event. He says, it's not, that, uh, it's not that, but it is very much a showcase of Sam Jackson and Ben Mendelsohn and tapping into the paranoia elements of the Secret Invasion comic series that was great with the twists and the turns it took. So, certainly our, that's certainly our focus more than can we cram in more characters than Endgame. So, Kendall... Are you disappointed that this won't be the big event we saw in the comics? 
Uh, I'll be honest, I am. I am. Um, is it shocking? No. You know, I think we understood that uh, this will be different than the than the secret invasion that we had in the comics. And I get it, but part of me wonders if you're not going to do the secret invasion on the scale that it was at on the comics, then why are we doing it? And you could argue that, I mean, well, you get Civil War wasn't on the scale that it was in the comic books. Yes. And that would be true. Uh, and it's a fair, it's a fair point. And if that's what Kevin Feige is talking about, like, yeah, it's it's secret invasion, but it's just not, it's, it's not, you know, just how Civil War wasn't, you know, it's not every Marvel hero chooses a side. It's just the ones that we've seen in the movies. And it's like, you know, 12 of them, just the Avengers, <laughs> you know, then... I guess I guess I'm fine with it. I don't need like every hero to be a scroll or like you know every hero you know all these extra heroes being thrown in there. And I guess that's the that's the one part of it where you think about this the scale of the MCU in general isn't as big as the Marvel universe in the comics because we haven't had that many movies. They didn't have that many uh, characters. The scale is going to be growing exponentially in the next five years once we get these five characters in and these. Disney Plus series are are rolling, like then now we're gonna have a, we're gonna have really something that does almost replicate the Marvel universe. But right now it's not there. Um, so because of that, if that's all Feige's talking about, but it almost sounds as if I'm worried that like it's like yeah, it's not at the scale because like yeah, we're only using like maybe like two heroes. Um, none of them are actually gonna be scrolls. It's gonna be like a government thing or something like that. Um, it's just like. Nick Fury and Ben Mendelsohn's scroll like going around doing stuff. That's part where I'm not. That's part where I'm not interested. But I don't know. I'll I'll give Kevin Feige a chance. Um, but I would almost rather them make this more of a major event than a sideshow on Disney Plus. But I don't know. Maybe I'm not giving. Maybe I'm not giving enough credit. Yeah, I mean, I think. Look, like I was, I'm excited. Like you know, everybody who listens to this podcast knows Secret Invasion is one of my favorite comic book events I've ever read. So, and it's very instrumental to like probably my peak of reading comics. So, like that was probably the event at the time. So, like to me, like it's very important. So, I'm happy they're just doing it. Is there some disappointment that it won't be to the large scale? Yeah, there is because um, it was a very large scale event, and you. You know, Marvel really incorporated the who do you trust kind of campaign amongst pretty much all of its lines of comics, where you're kind of reading all these comics, all these different franchises and titles, wondering if you could pick up clues on maybe who may be a scroll, who's not a scroll. Because they, they very rarely revealed anyone being a scroll before the actual Secret Invasion comic came out, which was smart on their part. So, like, there is that part of you that kind of feels like, man, I really wish we could have got something like that, because I think it would have been worth a Avengers level type event on the big screen. They clearly didn't want to do it that way, but I'm not going to say I'm super disappointed because I do feel like, you know, what Feige is getting at is true is, you know, while yes, they had a lot of characters and to replicate that is nearly impossible. The paranoia elements of secret innovation is really what kind of the spirit of it. Um, The event was good, but the event really is the kind of like, the culmination of, okay, they were trying to figure out what the deal is. They haven't been able to. And now, the, like, the scrolls are now 
they are waking the sleeper cells. Everybody's attacking, and now they're taking over the world. Like, so the event was great, but, like, to me, what made the event great was really the buildup. So if you could replicate the buildup by trying to find ways in which you have main figures in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that are scrolls, you might not need a lot of them to be scrolls. You might only need a handful. And, you know, the comparison to Endgame kind of lays it out for you where it's like, okay, well, I don't, I wouldn't expect you to really do Endgame, but, I mean, if I can get a, a good portion of Marvel superheroes and Marvel characters in this show to go along with Sam Jackson and Mendelssohn, then, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty fine. I think that that could still be a really fun series. I also feel like there's a way in which you could tell the story, too, where, and I don't know if they're going to do this, but, like, I don't, you could almost tell the story from Sam Jackson's perspective and it, it'd still be a major event, if you catch what I'm saying, Kendall. I think that that actually would be a really, that actually be really, would be a really cool way, I think, to kind of maybe, like, do a show where, like, here's, like, an actual event that's happening in like the cinematic universe that in theory like could be would would have been a movie but like sam jackson because we know nick fury is just doing his own thing and he's 10 sets ahead of everybody like he, he let's show like what he's doing during this time period where this is happening and like maybe like what he ends up doing is like saving the whole world or saving whatever but like we're just not seeing like the big fight scenes that you know are taking place in central park like they did during the last uh, issue of Secret Invasion, like those things aren't happening because he's not on those front lines per se, but he is still a very integral part, and he's like really the one piecing together who the scrolls and who's not the scrolls. And do you do you need all of your actors and everyone there for every episode to tell that story? No, you wouldn't need that. So I almost wonder if it, you know I doubt it, but if they do try to tell a story like that, that actually would be really interesting, really cool. But I, again, I, I want to give them a little bit of a break here, and I'm gonna say that you know I'm gonna wait and see what I get. Um, you know, I don't want it to just be just you know just totally just like Nick Fury and a bunch of people who no one cares about you know us asking whether or not they're scrolls. I, I don't think that's what's gonna be. I think that they're gonna be uh, people who are scrolls that we didn't know were scrolls that are fairly big characters. But it just won't be this whole thing of like they're in every episode kind of thing, which I which I, I if that's what it is, I, I could be cool with that. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not hitting the panic button. I'll hit the panic button when, like, we get, like, plot details and casting stuff that suggest that the scale is going to be super small. Mm-hmm. But um, the announcement, when they announced it, made it seem as if the scale was going to be pretty big. So, like, I'll 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 give them the, the benefit of the doubt that Feige was being, like, literal and saying that, yeah, it's not going to be as big as it was in the comics. Cause that's impossible, but... <laughs> but that it'll be still be fairly big. Um, so I'll give like, and, and like you said, I mean, you know, if if you're talking about, you know, even if it's, I mean, Civil War, I mean, that that still would be a huge project. Yes. You know, if you're talking about it being, I mean, I would take that. If you're talking about it's going to be about the same level of Marvel superheroes and characters involved, um, their roles will be like limited, but they'll be in the movie for sure. And they'll play big roles. Like I would, take that in a 100% heartbeat. I thought that that's what we were going to get with Captain America 2. I mean, excuse me, Captain Marvel 2. I thought that that was what it was going to be. like Just like Civil War, Captain America 3 was Civil War. I thought that Captain Marvel would be, you know, Secret Invasion. That doesn't appear to be where that's going to go. But um, but if we end up still getting an event, a six, seven episode thing that's pretty much as big as Captain America Civil War, I would still very much sign up for something like that. Uh... 
Let's also talk about another uh, project that that we're still we still have a lot of questions about. So he did a recent interview also with Screen Rant. Like I said, Kevin Feige was all over the all over the world these past uh, this past weekend, and um, we got some finally some answers from him about what's the deal with the X Men. Uh, he says that the company is still giving great consideration to how to incorporate the X Men to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but in terms of what they will be. He's still being coy. He says, you know how much I love the X-Men? I already said that that's where I started. Uh, and we say started, meaning his like kind of film career because he worked on uh, the first X-Men movie as a producer. That was coming out in like 1999, I think. He said, I can't tell you anything before we actually announce it. But rest assured, the discussions have been long and ongoing internally. While there is, this is obviously still a very vague answer about the future of the X-Men, here you have him at least admitting that and maybe you, I don't know if you picked this up, Kendall, but to me, this is him admitting that there is stuff that they're choosing not to announce regarding the X-Men. So yes. this idea that they're sitting on their thumbs and they're not working towards anything, or they're kind of just really putting it on the back burner and just focusing on what they have now, which, to be fair, is kind of what Feige's been saying. That isn't necessarily true. So here he's saying, I can't tell you something we didn't announce because I don't want to announce it. So that leads us to, you know, okay, something is brewing. When do you anticipate, Kendall, you think you will hear something concrete from them about what's happening? With the X-Men? Yeah. So we're in 2021. You, do you think it's this year? It's got to be this year, right? Um, I don't know if we'll, like, I think at the latest, if I'm looking at the future projects, at the latest, I'm thinking it's next year uh, with Doctor Strange. That's the latest I think they'll wait out. If if Doctor Strange comes and we still haven't heard something, I think that means that that's when we'll get something regarding the X Men. Mm. Um, but I but I agree. Do you that, think it'll be that? Do you think it'll be that long? Um, I mean, it could be this week. Man, <laughs> you, but it could well, be you, like, during this WandaVision situation. Yeah. yeah, it could be it could be during this wrong WandaVision that we get a hint. Or tease, um, you know, if one of the characters, say Agatha, you know, whoever we think, who we think is Agatha Harkness in the trailers, um, we'll say she goes to Wanda and is like, said something about, oh, you don't know about your mutant heritage or something like that. I mean, we'd be like, what? <laughs> you know, that'll break the internet. But yeah, uh, and then that would start the, you know, the wheels. The wheels would then be, they would then officially be in motion. For the X Men and all you don't know who, you, you don't know who your real father is, and you like, right exactly. What well, well, your father or your father always used to say that, you know that kind of thing. I, you know, then you, you just know, like, all right, the wheels are in motion. So, and I, yeah, I think that she could be, be cooking, she could be cooking in the kitchen, and she'd be like, oh, you know, I always knew your family was good with that metal or something like that. You'll be like, <laughs> exactly. what? Yeah. Um. So that's gonna be that's gonna be the part where I'm. I mean, look, I'm very, obviously, we're all very, you know, <laughs> invested in when this X-Men thing is going to get going to get rolling. Um, if it's not WandaVision, this, I mean, we'll see what happens with Black Panther, whether or not there's a Storm reference or even a Storm character in the movie. Seems unlikely, but that's another possibility. But after that, then, it, you know, it may end up not being until, uh, until we get to Doctor Strange. It's possible. I mean, and we know um, uh, the showrunner for 
uh, for Wanda Vision said that, that they they have been in communication with um, Raimi and with uh, Watts in regarding making this movie. And the people that have made those that are making those movies, they were in communication with them for making WandaVision. So if those movies, you know, and there's certainly with Doctor Strange, you know, conversation about maybe that being the introduction to mutants because of the dealings with the multiverse, maybe you do have, you know, your your beginning of that with this show. I certainly hope so. You know, I mean, I, I'm always thinking about, you know, dates, you know, you know, we had the Disney Investor Day that ended up being way bigger than I think anyone anticipated. Uh, and that kind of served as the, you know, the Disney, uh, the D, uh, D23, that served as your, uh, you know, San Diego Comic-Con kind of event. You know, I'm wondering if at, at this upcoming San Diego Comic-Con, you know, could they, and obviously it's not, it's not going to be like Comic-Con normally is, but is that, you know, when we hear something from the X-Men, you know, I, I, it just seems like that's a long time to wait until next year for uh, Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, especially when you're trying to keep so much under wraps. I will give them some credit in that they seem to be able to keep a lot of this stuff they've been working on semi under wraps. You know, we got some rumors and some reports that they, they were looking into some stuff or working some stuff. But, you know, whatever the, the Rui project that we heard about, you know, a while ago, we didn't know exactly what that was. And everybody forgot about it. And then it showed up again. We heard it was Armor Wars. Um you know, yeah. some of the stuff we've seen about some of these other shows, we didn't know much about what was going on, and all of a sudden it came about again. Uh, so, like, they, they've done a pretty good job of keeping stuff in-house. So they may feel like they can keep as much stuff as they want in-house, but I would hope that just for the fans' sake, we do get something a little more concrete sooner than that. And, um, you know, WandaVision would probably be the first project, I would think, and maybe you could tell me if I'm wrong, where it's very clear to me from start to finish that Feige was in possession of the X-Men characters and the mutant characters. There was no debate or no question. So this is like, this would have been his first clean opportunity to set up anything with the X-Men. No, would that be, that would be, this would be the first opportunity. Yes. Yeah. Like, like Um, not where like a script has already been written. They're shooting something. And then like, they're trying to sign the deal. And confirm it, like in terms of it being completely done, oh, like from a story perspective, right? Yeah, like this would be his first clean entry. Like anything he would have done in any of those other projects we had, Spider Man, um, yeah, and I would even say Black Widow, you know, yeah, like, Black Widow, so like, like that, good. like you would, it would have been them having to insert something in, yes, during the and story, like- during the creation process, not during during the production process, not even the creation process. You know, that that's a different that's a different avenue. Like, so this is, this is going, the first avenue this week to, to do something. Falcon and Winter Soldier is another is another one that doesn't seem like an obvious X Men mutants kind of thing, but if we do get something with the Weapon X program or Wolverine, that would also be a possibility. Yeah, and remember, I mean the the the, the first like iteration or idea or hint of anything regarding the X-Men universe was a screenshot we saw from Falcon and Winter Soldier. Remember, it was that it was that Madripoor flag. Yeah. And the Madripoor location appears that there's going to be some scenes in Madripoor. That's a, a, 
That is a X-Men mutant location. That's not a location that we don't think Marvel would have had the rights to. Maybe we're wrong. Maybe somehow they, maybe the way the deal was cut, locations didn't matter, so they could use that. I don't know. But the other, but Magivor is, is related directly to mutants. Nobody thinks of, uh, you know, Magivor as anything beyond that. Yes, and it's supposed to be in this this show. Now I don't know if they're gonna write it out or if that was something else. We don't know what's going on, but that that is something we did see. So I'm gonna go to bold prediction. Because the way you know we're talking about this now, and you bring that up, kind of got the kind of got the wheels turning. I think by the time Wandavision is done, we will we will be talking a lot about mutants. Hmm. I I think that we're gonna get either an X Men character, uh, like a, a very obvious X Men character, or like not just like oh, like. Like we talked about it when Evan Peters got casted, or is Evan Peters in Wandavision playing Quicksilver right. from the X? Like, and then Kevin Feige says this, and he's like, you know, I, I have a good feeling when and where we're gonna get mutants. Like, I don't know if he's, I don't know if he's talking that confidently unless he knows it's coming soon. Hmm. Like, it's already in something that is finished. Like not something that's filming or done filming or hasn't been filming yet. Mm-hmm. Like it reminds me, and their avoidance for talking about Wandavision. Oh, not talking about Wandavision. Their avoidance of talking about the mutants at Disney Investor Day reminds me of Lucasfilm and what they did. Not mentioning, I won't say. Because I don't want to spoil the Mandalorian, although it's been a while. But not mentioning a certain Mandalorian show that we knew was coming, a certain Mandalorian spinoff that we knew was coming, and they didn't mention it during Disney Investor Day because they announced it during the finale. Right. You know, so it kind of reminds me of that, where it's like, oh, you know, that's the obvious omission. Just like that was the obvious omission for Star Wars, this is the obvious omission for Marvel. No mention of the X Men, but you mentioned the Fantastic Four. You don't even you don't even mention you mentioned everything else that we know is coming besides the X Men. I'm not saying that at the end of Wandavision we're going to get an announcement that oh X Men coming in 2023, but like I think we may have a more concrete idea about mutants being in Marvel. I hope you're right, man. I hope you're right. I mean, it's you know, <laughs> it, it's probably it's, a little. Uh, as 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 uh, Kevin Feige says, hope springs eternal, EJ. <laughs> hope springs eternal, because man, I really, I really hope you're right. We need it, man. Like it's been a terrible year. Times are rough, and I just feel like this is something that's been a source of excitement for a long time for a lot of us fanboys. And I know they want us to be patient, and we're being patient. But this, you know, this year put us really behind the eight ball. I really hope it's not going to be a thing where they're just like, well, you know, by now you should have been able to see what our plans were. But since things got pushed back, you got to just keep waiting some more. Like, I really, like, I don't want to have to wait till after Black Widow. Like, I, I really hope that we do get something way more concrete about at least seeing some of these characters in some of this stuff. I, I, I certainly hope that's the case. Because, again, these new series coming up are the first clean 
op- opportunities for Feige to try to lay any groundwork with the mutants that would have been legally, like, fair. You know, everything else would have been him, you know, having to either write stuff in before the deal was done or would have been him having to shoehorn something in during the process of producing like they did with Spider-Man. And yeah. I'm fine with that. If that's what they did. But I'm just saying that now becomes our first opportunity where this is a clean insertion. So if they're going to do anything I, like immediate, like this is going to be, we're going to see I it would be in surprised. the next couple of weeks. I would be surprised if there was no assertion to Magneto in WandaVision. I'd be shocked if there was no insert, assert, assertion to Magneto in either WandaVision or Doctor Strange. Yeah, that's that's that would be the stunning thing. I think that they're gonna. I definitely think they're, they're definitely to me gonna play that. Um, that you relationship. Have the easiest way. That's the obvious link because Scarlet Witch is the only mutant that's been in the MCU. Right. Yeah. And she has powers that would suggest that yes, yes, you can find a way to bend that to <laughs> to Dear make well. to bend the the universe if you need to. Yeah. Um. So yeah. And and then Magneto is like outside of uh, Wolverine, the biggest character in the X Men universe that you want to use. Yeah, because of his connection to Wanda and him being, you know, a top five comic book villain of all time. Yeah, he is without question the third most important mutant in the in the in the X Men universe. Without question, it's Wolverine, and then it's probably Charles. But you can make a really hell of a case that it Magneto's too. But it's it, for them, Charles. I think Magneto. Right. Like, you know, I mean, if we're it was discounting Deadpool, obviously, for you know, yeah, who's not who's not a mutant, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So but if we're if we're talking like for the, the, the for MCU purposes, like yeah, I mean Charles Xavier is great, but like Magneto gives them because that's the one thing that they're lacking right now is great film. And we know what Magneto brings to the table. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, I can't, I'd be shocked if, if they don't, if he's not connected to Wanda in these, in these next couple of Wanda projects. But I, again, an allusion to Magneto in WandaVision is certainly not out of the question. Because there's nothing stopping them. Like, the whole time with the thing with, like, even when Wanda was introduced in Age of Ultron, they were like, oh, no illusion to Magneto? It's like, I mean, yeah, they could have, but, like, they also don't want to get sued. You know what right, I mean? Yeah. You know, like, why play with toys you don't own? Right. <laughs> so, but now they own Magneto, so why wouldn't you play with the toy? So, yeah. Yeah, it's exactly. Um, it kind of reminds me, I just feel like, I was just, the way you talked about that, it just reminds me, I really do feel like uh, the X-Men movies really fumbled the bag and not uh, playing up the relationship between Magneto and his kids way more in those last few movies. I mean, it, it's, it's so bizarre. You know Marvel can't do it. Why wouldn't you exploit that? Yeah. You'd be able to provide something to... Like, we already really like your Quicksilver more than even Marvel's. Yeah, that's the thing. You have such a great Quicksilver, and you make him an X-Man. Yeah, and, and to be fair, Marvel's Quicksilver wasn't bad. I actually really like Marvel's Quicksilver, but your, theirs was way better. That's very cool. Right. And to me, and you had a great Magneto. And you never introduced Wanda. Like, there was a great chance for you to do something there. And they did whatever they did with those last two movies. Do you think it's a guarantee that Aaron Taylor Johnson reprises his role as Quicksilver in the show? 
Um. Like, yeah. Well, I don't. I don't know about Quicksilver, but I think. It, I think there there will be something with him, being her brother in some way. Interesting. But like, he may not be in the costume, but like. It yeah, may or be even like, have or even have powers, but like maybe like a parody of like his his character, yeah. you know, like in some other form potentially. Yeah, I think we'll see him. Fascinating. I, yeah, I think you have to, because if the story is about, it's like, a, yeah, it's such a, it's a story. It's the story seems to be Wanda is trying to live, trying to live out a life that she she can't live out. Yes, and that's she why Vision is quote unquote alive. Right, and he's he alive, and he yeah, and he's part of a normal community who treats him. They treat him like he's just a normal person. Like none of this makes any sense. So if that's the case, why wouldn't her brother, who was killed pretty viciously, be alive? Yes, she's able to bring back Vision. She has kids. Like that's the only thing that's missing. I I think that I think that there's a yeah I think that there's a very good chance that. He makes some kind of appearance. And there's been yeah. rumors that he will he will show up, but we don't obviously we don't know for sure. And man, if you if you reinsert him into the MCU full time, and you bring in Magneto as well, and you have that whole Scarlet Witch Magneto, I mean, <laughs> Feige knows that he's sitting on a gold mine. Yeah, the stories write themselves in many ways. He's sitting on it's a gold just, mine. We're work. No. What's he gonna do without Iron Man? Right. <laughs> like, no, they'll be fine. Yeah, and, and Marvel is, you know, it's all about, you know, will they do the bold decision-making to try to enact all these things? But, you know, again, the stories write themselves. It's all, the material's all there. It's just about kicking the door down and, 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 and walking through. Because you're, yeah, you're walking right into a gold mine. Some of the stuff they have. Marvel proved with Civil War that, with Spider-Man, that if you give them the toys, they'll give you what you want. For sure. That's what we, we wanted with, with Civil War. Something that resembled the comics, and they gave us that. Yep, exactly. Um, another major Fox character, as I talked about earlier, reportedly is intending to be used in Black Panther 2. So Phantom Wire says that right now the plan is to have Doctor Doom uh, make an appearance outside the Fantastic Four franchise, and that will be in a smaller role as uh, a bad guy pulling the strings in Black Panther 2. Um, the, the Phantom Wire is told that Doom's appearance in Black Two, Black Panther Two, will not just be as Victor Von Doom, but in the full costume as Doctor Doom himself. Kendall, if this is the plan to introduce Doctor Doom, do you think that it is the right avenue to do so? Um, I I personally think it is, um, because if you're talking about making Doctor Doom. Bigger, bigger than the Fantastic Four, which I think he should be. Um, and if you're talking about making Doctor Doom a big enough villain, not only that he's bigger than the Fantastic Four, but that, like, it's it, it's such a it's a much lower risk proposition if you do include him with the in Black Panther two, because if you put Doctor Doom in in, in a Fantastic Four movie. As a villain who hasn't been introduced yet, um, you not run the risk of it being the fourth Fantastic Four movie that we've had, 
in the modern era. And it being people kind of rolling their eyes and saying, oh, another Doctor Doom origin, another mm-hmm. Fantastic Four origin. I mean, who cares? It's all the same. We've all, and we've talked about it for we've talked about it for months that Spider-Man was the blueprint for how they were going to do both X-Men and Fantastic Four in the sense that they were going to make find ways to make the Fantastic Four and the X-Men much different or do things that we hadn't seen before. With the X-Men, we just talked about like the X or Fox could care less about Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver in, in relation to Magneto. Like that's an easy thing that the, that the MCU will almost certainly do with Magneto is connecting to, to Scarlet Witch and likely Quicksilver as well. Another, and we also we've also talked about for months that they'll give the X Men costumes. That's another easy thing that Fox didn't do. Right. That the X Men will do. That's easy. That's two quick things. But like the Fantastic Four, it's a little. It's there's a little more gray area. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago when it was announced, um, or about a month ago when it was announced. And we it was it was tougher. There were ways you can go about it, but one of the easier things is introduce Doctor Doom as a character separate of the Fantastic Four. If you want to bring him back, circle him back to the Fantastic Four, you can always do that. You can always have history and backstory to Fantastic Four, but introducing him in Black Panther two as a formidable threat now makes that Fantastic Four movie even more. Um, just even more, it just adds a, a level of hype that you wouldn't have if you just decided to, to show the origin. Story-wise, I don't know. I, I'm skeptical. Um, Kevin Feige said, or I don't know if it was Kevin Feige or Philios Feige, because he's the one that's been saying everything, that, you know, the sequel will explore the world. Uh, of Wakanda and the different characters of Wakanda. It's very vague, but, but yes, uh, I'm shocked. But yes, that's what the first one did. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Shuri is Wakandan, uh, in case you didn't know. But, um, but it, that I took it as, unless he's just saying nothing, you know, which Kevin Feige's a master of saying nothing, uh, <laughs> saying a lot of words and then meaning nothing. But, um, if he's just saying nothing in that situation, or if he's not saying nothing, then I took it as him saying that it's not going to be a massive scale. But they almost may scale down Black Panther two, and they'll just keep it as a you know a political kind of you know in it, the, the the politics of Wakanda kind of thing. You know mm-hmm. something's happening, you know that kind of thing. But Doctor Doom, like where does that fit? I mean, I mean, I, I highly doubt they're making Victor Von Doom Wakandan. So like you know where would he fit into that? Um, the article, I believe, was from Phantom Wire, kind of mentioned that he's not going to be, like, the main villain necessarily, but he'll be the guy pulling the strings, which could make sense. So, I, I mean, I'm for it, and they also said that he'll likely be in full armor, which, I I mean, I already told you, I don't want to see Dr. Doom's face for, like, two, three movies. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, he's got to be only armor, only modulated voice. Like, I know the actor who's going to play him won't be happy about that, uh, you know, you gotta suck it up. Pedro Pascal is playing the Mandalorian. We never see his face either. Uh, yeah. And rumors where he's upset about that, but he'll he'll be fine. The check still clears. <laughs> so, um, 
So yeah, I mean, I think this Doctor Doom role, you got to make it very Darth Vader esque, and so I'm excited about him being the armor. I'm excited about him uh, being Doctor in Black Panther because look, he's Latverian. Like you know, him being the king of Latveria, they they dabbled with it in the second Fantastic Four movie, uh, Rise of the Silver Surfer. They dabbled yeah. in it. It was like bizarre. It, they didn't they didn't do a good job with it, but like it, it, I'll give them their credit. They tried something. But, like, him being the king of Latveria, it's like the thing with Manito. <laughs> like, how do we not, have we not touched that part? Oh, yeah. It's, such a hu- it's a huge, yeah, the fact that he, because it, it, it provides, like, it, it provides some explanation to why he's also so influential and powerful in the world and why he's so tough to take down. The, he's almost, he's almost like, he's almost like kingpin before a country. Like, right. Like, imagine I mean, king, like, like, part of kingpin's Part of what makes Wilson Fitz so difficult is his connect, his political ties and his connections, and his 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 run of the criminal underground in the yes, city of the New mob. York. So imagine if that guy had a whole country, and there was no like him doing it underground. He just runs the country. I mean, I'm telling you, EJ, if you want a great Doctor Doom story, and for the listeners, watch Iron Man Armored Adventures, the, the episode that introduces Doctor Doom. It. It's on Disney Plus, but and I believe it's on Netflix. It it plays that exact thing that you're talking about perfectly yeah. because first of all, again, in that show, like, he's a very Vader-esque character. Like obviously, he's like twelve feet tall, which he doesn't need to be that big, but like mm-hmm. he's mad tall. Like Darth Vader's mad tall. He's got the modulated voice, very like mysterious. You don't know what he yeah. looks like, but and like his powers are all through the roof. But also like. That idea that, oh, yeah, this guy is coming from Latveria and, like, you know, he's got diplomatic immunity. You can't do anything to him. Like, if you do, like, that's you, that's what it causes an international incident. <laughs> you know, like, that's the part yeah. of it that, you know, they never touched in these other movies that makes him, like you said, such an, such a, a fascinating threat. And they also got to do a much better job with Doom with the making, like, He's essentially a magician who is all is 100% based in science. So, like, his tech yeah. so so advanced that it seems like magic. <laughs> like, you know, like, they have to, they, they also have to play that up. But, I mean, again, there's so many ways where Doctor Doom can be utilized. How do you feel about his, uh, his connection to Black Panther? I mean, look, this is, I think, one of the, fir- one of the, f- not one of the first, maybe, but definitely early, one of the early podcast segments we posted onto YouTube was my pitch for how you would incorporate the Fantastic Four. And it included putting them into Black Panther and making Doctor Doom the villain. That to me was always how this made the most sense to how to do it, how to make it most effective. Put him, you know, you if you don't want to put him in a in, in the first Fantastic Four movie, which Kendall illustrated why you don't want to do that, and I most for the most part agree. Put him in another one of your super hot big properties and let him wreak havoc in that kind of movie to set him up for other appearances throughout the Marvel universe. And one of the things about Doom is, you know, yes, he is a Fantastic Four villain, but he really is beyond the Fantastic Four. I mean, he is a Marvel villain. Yes. And I would hope that their utilage of him to me, I know he, I, I would hope that they almost play him up almost like Thanos. Like to me, like that's almost where his, not necessarily his like power in terms of being unstoppable like individually one on one, but I do feel like his like ways of like this 
them continuing to lead up to a final showdown with Doom and that being the big one of the big things they have coming up, I feel like that that's where they should go. I think that what they're plotting here is perfect. He doesn't need to be necessarily scrapping with you know Black Panther one on one per se, but if he is you know causing you know chaos in in in, uh, in Wakanda, and he's doing it under the guise of helping his own country, and and how that continues to kind of uh, kind of uh, spin the hamster wheel in terms of whatever he's plotting, because Doom is always seven steps ahead of whatever you think is going on. Us seeing that happen in real, in real time in a big movie like that would be money. And again, like I said, this would be my... I don't know if they're going to do it. Uh, we don't know Black Panther's date is kind of kind of TBD, and we don't know when the Fantastic Four date is supposed to be. But I would include... I would lead... I would put the Fantastic Four, or at least some of their characters, in this movie as well, and kind of have that lead into um, the Fantastic Four movie, where maybe, you know, Doom is more involved. But I still would hold him out a little bit in terms of letting him be the guy that's mainly the guy fighting and scrapping and out here in these streets. He needs to be this, a villain that's that's a thorn in everybody's side and kind of is in the side of the whole Marvel Universe for the next, I think, 10 years. That's how he should be utilized. Does this tell you anything about the story or what direction they'll go with for the Wakandan characters? No. I have no idea how they could... But to me, it doesn't. But to me, Doom is so. I mean, that's why Doom. And to me, him and Magneto are the two best Marvel villains. I mean, that's why they're so great because it almost doesn't matter. He's so multifaceted. He's so versatile that you could write a story about somehow Doom is the reason why stuff is happening in Wakanda. It's it's not that hard. It's not that difficult to believe. It's very easy. It's just a matter of actually sitting down and writing it. Can I tell you right now what it is? No, but. That's what Doom's thing is. Again, he's always seven steps ahead. So he could have done one thing that led to one thing that is now leading to issues in Wakanda. And we learn, oh, actually, Doom is behind this. Wow. Okay. That's something I didn't expect. But now we learn maybe the next movies, whether it be the Fantastic Four movie or something else, why he's behind that and what he's actually up to. Um, Kendall mentioned the Iron Man Armored Adventures as a a good uh, look at how maybe Doom should be included into the MCU or how he should be used. I would also point fans to if I'm doing another animated series, uh the season two premiere of Earth's Mightiest Heroes, uh the Avengers T V series, which was uh, Doom's might have been his only appearance in that show. But um yeah. it's kind of the same where his ability to kind of just cause havoc in the States and then be protected by his own diplomatic immunity. And then you want to talk about showing Doom wreck people and showing just how much of a beast he is and people try to actually scrap with him, that is the show to make Doom look like the badass that we all know him to be, but it's sometimes not been um, fairly portrayed in live action or even in other animated shows. That is, the, the to me, the best portrayal of Doctor Doom in all facets of his game, so to speak, the 5-2 player that he is. I would love to see Marvel use a lot of those I- elements. It's the science... It's the, the, the kind of like the hiding behind the diplomatic stuff. It's the plotting. It's being the seven steps ahead. Genius. Uh, and knowing yeah. things that no Genius. one else knows. It's yeah. perfect. It's one of my favorite episodes of any cartoon ever. And it's a it's a 100% a great example of, of just how much of a, of a just beast that Dr. Doom is. Right. Yeah. I mean, what do you feel? What do you feel we'll get? 
when it comes to um Doctor Doom and well, first of all, what do you what what do you what do you, do you have any 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 guess as to what we'll get with uh this movie from like a a story standpoint? Or is it still completely up in the air? Or do you, and like they don't know, or maybe they know, but like you know. Yeah, I mean it's up the air, up in the air. I mean we don't know who the Black Panther is. I mean, That's what I'm saying. Me, That's the part of it. Really, it's hard to really kind of get your a true feel for like what this movie is going to be about when we don't even know who's going to be the Black Panther, how that's going to continue to be handled. Like without that, it's just kind of hard to know anything. Because yeah. anything that was because like a lot of the a lot of any of the story threads were kind of. And to be fair, I feel like the first movie is very self-contained, even though it's a classic movie and a great movie. Like. It's not like there's this great setup to a sequel. Like, all they establish is that no. now the world knows that Wakanda has some stuff. And that yeah, they, know the that they, and they know that the, and they know the king of Wakanda is the Black Panther. Yeah, Black Panther is supposed to lead you into Infinity War. Infinity War, exactly. Right. That's what it is. You know, that's this, that's Black Panther 2, quote-unquote. From like a story's perspective. Like, they, 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 were, they were trying to they're trying to tie in into how, like, you know, what kind of played such a big role in that movie. Right. Um, now, what I was also going to ask you was, how do you feel Dr. Doom will, will, what do you think his story will be? Like, in, like in terms of like an origin, like, will he be a guy that just has always been around, you know, or will he be a guy that showed up during the five years? Um, will he be like, a, I, I, to me, like that, the, the five years to me is where that seems to be what would make the most sense. Yeah. You have is, a lot of wiggle room is, you know, because, you know, Doom's, like, Liberia is, like, a, it's kind of a terrible place. Like, it's, like, kind of, it's it's relatively safe, but it's a fascist, it's like a fascist state, almost. Yes. So, I don't even say almost, it is. So, like, to me, this idea that, like, some country could be ravaged by the snap, and then a man of incredible intellect, incredible, uh, uh, you know, ingenuity, uh, incredible um like deviousness could overrun a country and become a leader and like he's slowly kind of building this empire that kind of nobody's paying attention to because there are other issues at hand and nobody could really care about some small country in europe that no one cared about to begin with and by the time black panther comes around like oh my god this guy has way more power and influence than we realize because we've just been trying to put the world back together that to me is like is the is the story I think that he's someone that has to have been in the Marvel universe we haven't been introduced to, but he kind of gets born by the snap. Is there a is is there a story where maybe his armor is made of vibranium? Um, it's possible. His I just don't know. If, I just don't know if I want. I just don't know if I want his. Like in my vision, like the one thing, the one caveat, which is why I said when I talked about it last time, is I don't know if I want his beef with. Wakanda and the Black Panther to become so personal that like we think of him as a Black Panther villain, like I. But you know it could be. I mean that doesn't. Yeah, I see what you're saying. It, it like it doesn't. It, it doesn't have to be as personal as like you know. Cause, uh, that does sound like oh yeah like means like oh he's pulling up and like yeah, he's a Black Panther villain but like yeah I mean the fact that Cla- like Claw's obsessions with. Um, vibranium. Like, right, you don't want him to be a, a, blood, a blood feud <laughs> with this cold country. Like, if Doom yeah. has a whole suit of what vibranium, 
that makes him like right number one on the terror list for Wakanda. I don't know if I want him. But wouldn't that also that kind send of like a wouldn't that also send like a crazy message that like all oh, this guy is this guy is nuts? Like, I mean, yeah, call was bad. Like with his little arm of vibranium, like this guy, the whole, the whole suit of, of vibranium, you know? Or maybe I almost, maybe I'd almost love something where like they think it's vibranium, yeah, but then they realize right. he made it himself. Yeah, I was gonna say, or maybe they, maybe they don't even realize that he had it. Like he got it from someplace else. But like it is vibranium, but it's like almost like Captain America's shield, where it's like, oh, he didn't steal it from Wakanda, like, but he, but it is vibranium, and like that's another point of like contention. I don't know. Yeah, we also had the UN part of you know Black Panther and yeah. um, Civil War when we had so like you could you could use that aspect of maybe Latveria is like you know all of a sudden now they they, they got a seat at the table, <laughs> you know at these meetings and you know Wakanda used to be that that kind of third world country kind of thing and now it's that very that people are like kind of chirping about you know i don't know they can be some interesting uh some interesting stories there as well yeah there's a lot of material man but i think doom and black panther always made sense to me if that is the route they go i am 100 in support of it Let's or, also, I mean, so, sorry go ahead i mean there are possibility that you make craven the hunter Liberian. i'm mean, not using craven the hunter but I mean, right. I, mean, I mean, we don't know. We don't think that's what's yeah. happening. It's not impossible, but it's unlikely. For yeah. it, seems, it seems unlikely, but could that be a way to kind of backdoor uh, Doom in there? For sure. If Doom just sends this crazy, this crazy madman in there, and like, they're like, we don't know what's going on, and then like, in the flip side, he steals Vibranium or does something that's going to help him right. to whatever he's plotting. And you realize all of this, the commotion of you know, Craven was just a distraction for Doom. I mean, all this could make sense again. Doom is so versatile and so such a great character. I'm excited to see what Kevin Feige. The rumor that Lombardus is supposed to be in uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. So yes. that'll be the introduction to Liberian. Yes, exactly. So the wheels appear to already be in motion. Um, and that when we asked a question about the, in the previous segment about you know X Men, like that's their example where like you're clean break to like begin production with the Fox properties in tow there we see they're using it with with uh with, with Fox and Winter Soldier now what they do with X-Men that's a question that we have um another big story we had this week according to industry scooper industry scooper Daniel Rickman aka Daniel RPK uh Kristen Ritter is in talks to reprise her role as Jessica Jones in the Disney Plus series She-Hulk it's unclear exactly how advanced those negotiations are and how Jones will be involved in the plot, but it would be the first time we've seen Ritter play uh, the character since 2000, since 2018 during season two of Jessica Jones. We also had, um, uh, Faye was actually asked about this in one of his interviews, not necessarily about this, but just like, you know, what we will be seeing with Luke Cage and Jessica Jones in the future. His answer was basically a, you know, we're focused on what we've announced and what's on the docket for us, but, you know, never say never was pretty much what he had to say regarding their future. And it is interesting to me that this comes out and his answer to a question about Luke Cage and Jessica Jones is we're focused on what is coming out. It's like, oh, well, well, Jessica Jones is reportedly in something that's coming out. So, you know, is that his way of actually answering the question? Honestly, um, maybe we'll see in kind of a sly way of doing it. I don't know. But what do you... uh? What do you think if this is again uh, the role we see uh, Jessica Jones be introduced? Do you think that She Hulk is a good fit? 
So I think that She-Hulk is a good fit um, for Jessica Jones. I think so. Um, and that would also certainly open the, open the doors for, like, you know, now people starting to plug away at where will all of these characters show up. Um, obviously, uh, you know, we've still talked about the, we've talked about the Daredevil Spider-Man thing. Um, and Jessica Jones showing up in She-Hulk, uh, makes sense. They've talked about how, you know, Feige talks about how She-Hulk is going to be a little bit of a comedy, I believe, right? Um, yeah. You know, we talked about like a, like a... A law uh, comedy, pretty much. Yeah, law comedy, legal comedy. So, that's, um, that seems like a perfect spot for Jessica Jones to show up. Jessica Jones maybe could have done something and she needs a lawyer. <laughs> you know, that could be funny. Jessica Jones could be, like, could provide intel to, whatchamacallit, as a PI. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. You know, she could provide intel to, to, to Jennifer Walters. Um, that would be funny. We, I mean, he, you know, when Feige mentioned, you know, she's a, she's a lawyer. She's a lawyer who deals with superheroes. So you never know who's going to show up. Like, Jessica Jones fits the bill. Um, <laughs> everybody thought Daredevil and I mean it's still possible but Jessica Jones would be another person that would make sense um, and then you obviously you have the female superhero who you know has super strength that also would fit perfectly so yeah I mean if I'm if I'm you know storyboarding or if I'm you know kind of game planning where do these MCU characters these Netflix characters fit in the MCU uh, and I'm looking at Jessica Jones She-Hulk has to be option number one I mean, yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, She-Hulk seems to be, that would be, to me, the ideal fit because, as you said, we've already seen Jessica needing legal assistance and legal advice and legal representation right. often because of her her uh, propensity to kind of bend the law to accomplish whatever she's trying to get. Did you make a comment about Jerry, like, if, if has ALS and she can't be her lawyer anymore? Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's... It, that is really simple and then you know her work as a pi and of course you know could you know a prosecutor who you know isn't getting the job done through the nypd maybe try to listen some extra help somehow or do need something off the books done for her you know jessica jones would be someone that perhaps would be filling in that 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 position you know that that those to me are, are two very clear choices and when we talked about it it wasn't last week a couple weeks ago when he was like, you know, who knows who would show up in a uh, in a show that's a legal comedy. You know, if you start to think, you know, we all ran to Matt Murdock, but Jessica Jones 100% fits in that category of someone that we would see show up in a legal comedy regarding the Marvel Universe. And just that's talking about characters that not just the you know the superheroes in, in television and movie that we've seen. That's just any Marvel character yes. that's in a legal comedy. If you tell me who would I normally see, Jessica Jones would be one of the first People I would name generally. Yeah, she's so, in New York too, right? New York City, which we know this—that's where the show's gonna be set. There's so yeah. There's a lot of reason why uh, if they are pursuing Ritter, it would uh, it would certainly make sense. So and I and I think that Ritter and like that Jessica Jones character with Malzani's um, uh, Walters, I think that would just be like uh, like killer scenes. Like the dialogue could just be so good. Where do you where do you think where do you think we could see uh, these others? Obviously, so I mean, Iron, Iron, 
Iron Fist, we you know there's been the, the the rumor, very very rumored, not sophisticated, you know, substantiated or very yeah, kind of more almost like speculated. <laughs> yeah, but speculation about you know could Shang Chi be where we see uh, Iron Fist? Certainly seems like that would make sense. Um, Luke Cage always seems to be the one that's kind of most difficult to maybe pinpoint. Yeah, per se. I've seen people mention maybe he's in this as well. Maybe he's in Shield also. Yeah, I mean, to me, he would he would also again make sense. Someone who's a vigilante, sometimes not always on, sometimes you know not a public figure. Yeah, public figure, uh, someone who you know is putting themselves in a position where they may need uh, you know legal help, or in this case, again, Jennifer the prosecutor, so they may be on the wrong side of the law for something. Certainly, uh, that could make sense as well. Um. You know, Daredevil, we we mentioned, you know, the rumors of Spider Man perhaps being where we see him. Moon Knight's another possibility for him. Yes, Moon Knight would definitely be a possibility there. I'm trying to think. Uh Punisher. Punisher is a is the toughest one. Punisher is tough, but he's so good that I mean Burnthal, not they're all great, but <laughs> I, I I would venture to say Burnthal's probably the best of them all. And that, that and that maybe is a hot take, I don't know. Because Cox is good and Ritter's good and Coulter's good and you know, I mean, but, it's 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 really oddball, and I'm not even saying it's a good idea, but I really would be fascinated by, like, would they try to do a Punisher versus Deadpool kind of movie? That's what we were saying. Yeah, I was saying, are you saying we put him with Deadpool? I mean, that I mean, would be hilarious. Because that, I mean, that is his, that is like his most natural, he's got, the most natural fit is going to be wherever he could do the most violence. So it's like, yeah. okay, well, where could he do the most violence? The only place is Deadpool frame. Yes. You know, so if you're not doing a Punisher show or a Punisher movie, that's the spot. And could definitely be on the, the wrong side of Punisher sense. for some reason? Of course. Like, Would Blade make any sense? Blade makes sense, too. Blade would be the only other place. Yeah. I mean, we. I mean, Blade, we'll, have, we'll need to have the conversation, you know, when we get closer to Blade. Like, does that need to be rated R? I mean, I, I like now Punisher is like definitely not a stranger to like supernatural stuff with like that, like Blade would go involved with. Right. Exactly. But I've like, always I, I have, though, I have, though, yeah. always enjoyed like Frank Castle being more involved with like more grounded storylines, which is why the season the show. one of Punisher was like just perfect to me. Yeah. Like and to me, it's a perfect show. So great. Right. Yeah. And the first half of his appearance in season was all man. I gotta rewatch that, man. I really, I know I keep saying that every time we those shows. Come yeah, I'm gonna rewatch Daredevil as well. Yeah, I, I really have to rewatch those shows. To me, season, see, both seasons of Daredevil or three, however many they were, three. I guess it was three seasons. Yeah, three seasons yeah. of Daredevil, season one of Jessica Jones. And to be fair, I've actually never finished season three of Jessica Jones or Punisher, season two. Neither have I. But um, but those shows and season one of Punisher are just like just. Excellent stuff, and of course, season one yeah. of Luke Cage, um, as well. I love season two of Luke Cage too, but yeah, I like I like season two as well. Yeah, yeah, the first half of season one. Oh yeah, of Luke Cage. second half. Yeah, first half of season one, and I think the majority of the season two is really good. Yeah, first half of season one is just a it's stellar. Yeah, it is a masterpiece. It's, it's, it's a television masterpiece. Yeah. Uh, we got the last story of the day here, Kendall. So, following the conclusion of the internal investigation into claims made by our actor Ray Fisher, who will reportedly never appear 
Well, as I say, reportedly, I think he said it himself. <laughs> He'll never appear with the franchise yeah. as Cyborg again after uh, Zack Snyder Justice League comes out. Warner Media oh, announces. Claimed, yeah, go ahead. Claimed he was not written out of it. Which, yeah, there was there was a talk what, about what, he. Yeah, the reports are that he was written out of Flash, and he's saying that he was never actually in Flash. So whatever that means, but um, but nonetheless, uh, Warner Media announces that Walter Hamada has signed on to an extension to remain on board as president of DC Films until 2023. They put out a quote saying. Uh, this is uh, Toby Emmerich. Walter is not only passionate about story in the DC canon, he's also a thoughtful and incredibly talented executive who is fully committed to investing the time and care necessary for movie making on this scale. With Walter overseeing our DC movies uh, for theatrical exhibition and on HBO Max, we are excited for film for him and his team to bring more of these stories to life, working with new and established talent to broaden the reach and diversity of the DC Cinematic Universe. Now, Kendall, I would categorize this past year for Hamada as up and down, considering, um, one, he was kind of implicated in this investigation that happened with Fisher saying that he kind of let a lot of this stuff happen, you know, or not let it happen per se, but like when he came on, he, he kind of tried to get Fisher to kind of just kind of wipe it under the rug. That was Fisher's allegation. Um, but then even beyond that, you know, there was just the questionable rollout of Harley Quinn. Birds of Prey, which he was point man on, you know, um, it was a project he was very much uh, a believer in, and that led to a a poor box office performance. Uh, then he did have the uberly successful um, DC fandom event uh, that happened this summer virtually. I mean, that was just you know one of the highlights of a terrible year in 2020 for all of us, but truly, really awesome how they put that together. And then it, it ended with the you know the release of Wonder Woman 1984, which was, which was you know, polarizing, giving it going on HBO Max, and then polarizing, given the actual quality of the film. So, with everything you've seen, Kendall, do you still think that Hamada is the right man to lead DC Films? Um. So, first of all, <laughs> I was just going through some of Ray Fisher's Walter Hamada tweets. I, I, hopefully, Ray Fisher, man. Hopefully, he's all right, man. Cause he's, he's He's tweeting a lot about this stuff, man. It's just like <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I told you. I think that he he. I told. I've said in the past. I think that sometimes they don't mean it, but you know, when you're an act, you're an artist, and you're a performer. Sometimes you get performer brain for things that you need to turn that brain off. I don't think he knows how to turn that off with this thing, right? And I think that uh, you're right. If you read his some of his tweets, he I, I, and I and I and I think that there was a lot of terrible stuff happening at Warner Bros. And I think that there's a lot of questions about, you know, yeah, what Jeff, Jeff Johns needs to be along. And I, I hated Warner Brothers' statement about it's time to move on now. Um, no, uh, if racism and <laughs> if racism is an issue at your company, it's not time to move on. It's time to continue to uh, keep a close eye on everything that's happening. But right. um, so that was a ter- terrible statement by Warner Media. But what I will say is Fisher, because of how his actor brain inserts himself in how he presents his case and his issues with this, sometimes he comes across unhinged. And that's right. that's where it kind of becomes difficult to continue to, you know, look into your cause and, 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 and support your cause. I support it still because, again, it's about keeping corporations who are allowing abusive behavior and racist behavior accountable. It's how, how you present your stuff is still important. 
Yeah, yeah. You have just a lot of people now that are just drained. Yeah. Um, your attitude, you, how you present and your attitude, can sometimes lead to people being like, "Okay, I, I, I've heard enough about this." Um, with that being said, I mean this Hamada news from a creative standpoint and how I'm looking at the vision of Warner Brothers and what's what's happened. Um. You know, it, it, look, first of all, for, you know, I mean, him saying a contract extension is funny to me. It's like, that, yeah, it's a that, funny story. That's what I said in the beginning. Yeah, that that seems like, I, I mean, look, I know Ray Fisher, he, you know, he thinks, that, oh, you know, this is more PR nonsense to try to distract. I don't, I don't know what the deal is, but it does, it does read like we need some PR, you know, like I, this isn't about, because he could have renewed his contract at any point. You know, and they didn't it's have almost, to be It's almost like they knew Feige was going to do this car wash, and then they wanted to put this out. <laughs> That's how it feels to me. Because, look, and look, Warner Brothers, for better or for worse, they have this um, they have this reputation of when bad news is coming, they got to do something to create goodwill or attention. And I don't, I don't know if Feige talking about what they're doing is necessarily bad news for DC, but maybe that's how they see it. And they're like, yo... Let's announce that, you know, homeboy, our guy, he signed on long term. He, he's going to be here. So, like, I don't know. It, 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 the whole, I've never seen this thing presented like this. I've never heard anything about Kevin Feige's contract situation in Marvel. No, not nothing with Kathleen Kennedy at Lucasfilm. No. Like, I know she's got an expiring coming up, but no one's talking about giving her an extension. <laughs> that's just, if, that's, that's if she signs it, it will probably not be announced. It will just be, oh, yeah, she's still working here. Yeah, like yeah, she was renewed. Yeah, contract yeah. renewed. Yeah, it wouldn't. They put out be... a whole. They put out a whole press release about a Walter Hermanis contract extension. Yeah, yeah, we're getting, we're getting, uh, you know, he said we're getting press releases and we're getting statements from the, from the CEO talking about how great of a, you know, it's, I mean, again, it's, it's like, it's like he's, like, a, he's like, like, yeah, it sounds like you know Chris Johnson of the Jets is you know announcing the the, the, the contract you know extension of Joe Douglas or something. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I've never I've never seen this before. Yeah. So I mean. Yeah, it's bizarre, but again, from just a just a creative standpoint, I, I mean, he's done a he's done a fine job. I mean, he deserves credit. Uh, when he came on, Warner Brothers was at its all time low uh, with superhero movies, and since and some may disagree with that, but just for, even from just a uh, you, you don't even have to talk about this from uh, what movies did you like, but just what was the overall narrative behind them um, and what we've got now. Is you know obviously Wonder Woman eighty four wasn't you know received as well as the first one, but they've they've been able to get wins um, with a lot of their movies. And Wonder Woman eighty four it wasn't a wasn't a home run, but based off of the other expectation that they set for these for their movies, it, it, it's a win. You know, um, maybe it doesn't it doesn't fit the expectation of the first Wonder Woman movie, but you know, you could argue the head of Suicide Squad. <laughs> um, but regardless, that's where I look. And Walter Ramon has done a fine job. He's crafting this vision. And 2023 isn't like, they're not, they didn't give him a 10 year contract. This isn't, uh, this isn't an Albert Pujol situation for the baseball fans <laughs> where, you know, it could be like 10 years from now where you'd be like, man, Walter Ramon has still got a deal. Um, yeah, that he'll be, he'll like, 
all this does really is assure that like he'll be here through like Flashpoint. And if Flashpoint isn't good, then Hamada won't have a job. Um, but that's yeah. going to be that's you know that that might be a tur- that's going to be a turning point for him. Flashpoint yeah, and you know the Batman. Those are going to be the two. Yes, it is funny how you how you kind of lay it out that way because that is is pretty much what this is. I mean, because um, you know if you're going up to 2023, yeah, I mean Bat- the Batman now looking at a 2022 release date, Flashpoint probably sometime in that same neighborhood, uh, maybe a little after, and yeah, like if that. I mean, you know, even though we know there are other projects and other movies that are also in development, and but like he may not see to all of that if this doesn't initially come out working so well, which is why this was kind of a bizarre announcement because, the, you know, to me, if you're going to make this announcement, I want to hear he's, he's signed on until 2026, you know? Which is yeah. Like, like, like we, we've officially, uh, you know, hitched our wagon to this guy's vision for the foreseeable future. Yeah, this, is, uh, this is the dreaded vote of confidence. <laughs> yeah, Oracle. like, yeah, exactly. This, that's we'll what this guy, is. He's about to get fired. We'll give him a one-year renewal. <laughs> 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 Glad yeah, to know they, I'm off. Yeah, they, they wanted one year extension just to keep them from being the lame duck. But that, that when you when when you get out of the PR fluff of the statement, I mean that's kind of what this looks like to me. Um, you know, he's talking about you know Emmerich, you know Walter overseeing our movies and our HBO Max rollout. I'm like, I mean that's a multi year thing that you guys were talking about. Like he can't oversee that in just two years. Like we weren't talking about. Yeah. Like I don't think we're gonna see Static Shock in 2022, or Batgirl in 2022. I don't think. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe something I, I don't know. But to me, these there are projects and properties that you guys are working on that will be well beyond 2023. And then so then my question becomes: Is this a situation where you want to see how things go, or is this something where Hamada said I want to you know set the table and then bow out because it's a very difficult, tough job? I don't know, but um. In terms of whether or not I think he's still the right man to lead the company, I'll say he still is. I, I think that this company needs stability. Like that's the one that's been that's been probably the biggest issue since the the rollout of the Snyderverse started so poorly. Was you know Snyder? They really there wasn't really a, a head of DC. They didn't have that person. But because Snyder was doing the first movies, he was kind of the one that was given the vision to create what they were trying to accomplish, which was to have a universe that rivaled marvels a lot of people didn't like it it was critically panned and then then we kind of saw this kind of revolving door of people and multiple ideas jeff johns was involved and john berg was involved we all know how that went down jeff johns is somehow still involved even though he's not the head it's all really kind of confusing but when they put hamada in there while the pick at the time it did seem weird to some people though i we talked about how we thought it was a good pick given that you know he seemed that he was going to get more down to the nitty gritty of just trying to make solid movies and not so worried so much about the world building aspects of the, at least the first few movies they've done. He's accomplished that to a great deal. But to me, in order to just continue what what has been a good move, run besides, again, some of these issues that they've had, I think you need this ability to, to move forward. I, I think changing the person next year wouldn't fix any of the issues that we've had, I do think that they need to, um, I think this year kind of opened themselves up to what happens when you decide that you're going to have movies that are based 
you know, more just on just the vision of the director and not so much um, the guy in charge kind of driving his own story and narrative that he's trying to put together. Because you got Harley Quinn in Birds of Prey, which is very kind of oddball and different and not necessarily what people were expecting. And the the campaign behind it was bad, but I think the the, the reception, to the overall reception to like, this being something you had to see, they just didn't, they couldn't grasp. They definitely weren't going to grasp it with the terrible role they had, but they, that was already going to be a risky proposition and they didn't do any of themselves any favors because they decided to just go straight to whatever um, Hudson and um, Yan wanted to do. And that's fine. I liked what they did, but the box office ended up being what it was. Wonder Woman 84, again, you're giving the directors way more free license to do whatever they want. They make decisions and do some kind of oddball weird things that maybe with more of a centralized vision, maybe that, that that doesn't happen, you know? So that's kind of the, we saw some of the strengths with, with what Hamada was doing with Joker, with Shazam, you know, with Aquaman. And then now we're kind of seeing the, the downside of that a little bit, not necessarily, not necessarily with the critical reception of Birds of Prey as much, but with the, definitely with the, commercial success and certainly with the critical success of Wonder Woman 84. You know, if Hamada, you know, are the, will they adjust that strategy in any way? Will they continue on as they have? We'll see. But I don't think that changing the guy at the top is necessarily the right thing at this point. I think they got it. They got it. Whatever they're going to plan, they got to go through with it. And they got to figure out the, the back end later. Because while I was supportive of the Zack Snyder firing, I did think that it kind of put them in a massive no-man's land that led to that disaster of a Justice League movie. Yeah. And 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 the timing may have been poor. Maybe they should have let him do the movie and then fired him afterwards. And, of course, there's, you know, it could have been, they say he left, and there's been a lot of talk about what went down with that. But regardless, his ouster um, was at a terrible time. And... They, 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 they were hurting for a little bit because of that. Hamada righted the ship. I think he deserves a chance to continue to push it forward despite some of the maybe the uh, the struggles we've seen recently. Yeah, I mean, Hamada. Again, this isn't a. This may not even end up being a really a long term commitment. Um, but they're gonna, like you said, they're gonna write. They're gonna let MTV write the ship. Um, my question is, what if he doesn't? What if the Snyder listen? What if the Snyder hit comes out and it's popular? Um, and let's say Suicide Squad comes out and that's also popular, but let's say the Batman and Flashpoint are duds, mm-hmm. which is possible. Mm-hmm. What what happens to Walter Amata? To me, to me, I mean, to me, the Batman is a has to be great film. But not good. Like he's going to make a lot of money regardless. But does it have to or does it just have to make a lot of money and they won't care about the rest? Or does it have to be something that not it doesn't have to be Joker level, but like passable? I think that the fans have to really like the Batman on a general basis. All right. So because. You know, it's funny we talk about Joker being, you know, 
you know, Oscar nominee. But, I mean, it's, it is also still a little critically polarizing for a lot of people. Um, but the 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 DC fans think that that's one of the greatest movies of all time. And that really is all that matters if they're going to be the ones showing up and supporting the movie. So, to me, with Batman, and it's a little different because Batman's a little more wide-ranging. But, to me, they can't have what happened with BVS. Like, that can't happen. You can't yeah. have maybe a legion of people who become... Uh, Reeves fans and they're the only ones who think this movie is good and maybe you have a good first weekend but then the rest of the box office is kind of meh that can't happen again Hamada won't I mean, be around and again. Like, he won't be around if that happens these movies have people that will like them regardless so like people, if people in, that in, are... in, yeah in theory any movie will have people who will like it <laughs> exactly. which is kind of why that's why not to get on a tangent why I think that, you know, some of the work they've done, some of the questions about, you know, do you do an air cut? So some of the stuff is ridiculous because it's just like every movie has its fans. It's just that these people are a little more rabid. And yes, that does lead to a little more dollar opportunities to exploit that. But this notion that you could build your company around the, a small number of people, because that's what it is still, is is stupid, in my opinion. Yes. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, yeah, we'll yeah. see what happens with the Snyder Cut, but that's that's been my feeling on that. So to me, you can't have that re, re, re you know, reduplicated with, uh, or just duplicated. You can't you know, reduplicate something uh, that can't be duplicated with the Reeves cut of the Batman. That like this has got to hit, and especially considering they've committed themselves not just to a movie but to a show. Same thing with Gun. I mean, a lot is riding on these. Movies because Hamada is pitching to them not just movie content but television content that's signed on and signed on the dotted line and contracts are involved. Like they can't miss on this. So if somehow they do, they might not be able to easily remove themselves, remove themselves from James Gunn or from uh, Reeves and whatever you know contract dealings they may have. But they certainly can move on from Hamada because. <laughs> The, the years on the contract to just that's twenty twenty three. It's a wrap. Yeah, one hundred percent. So, man, we'll see how it all ends up shaking out. Congrats to Walter on the new deal. And um, I, I know before this year, I thought he was doing a stellar job. I mean, we we sung his praises a lot this season, this this uh, on this podcast. Um, I thought I really liked Birds of Prey. A lot of people did. The campaign social campaign was terrible, and that's on him. They, no, they can't, no. So that that's that's an issue, and uh, some of the identity issues with that movie is on him. And then, uh, you know, we've talked. You know, I'm not even getting to the Wonder Woman '84 controversy, but there's plenty of controversy out there, and that's also on him. So uh, you'll see how this all shakes out. But like I said before, I do think it's ironic that on the weekend where we knew it was very. We all knew Faye was gonna be doing the interviews. I mean, a lot of the people that were gonna be interviewing him were talking about that they were gonna interview him all weekend. So the weekend that, that happens, we hear Hamada gets a new deal. It just seems a little fishy to me. And it's a deal that only lasts two more years. You know, I don't know. Anyway, I'm going to let it go right there. That's going to be it for this edition of the New Generation Hero Talk podcast. Uh, Jamari was not here again, but we hope to have him back next week. Of course, you can catch all of our shows on the New Generation Podcast Network. you find that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, be sure to check us out on social media. We're on Twitter, New Generation Pod, Instagram, New Generation Podcast, 
I'm on Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart, Instagram action EJ. You can find Kendall on Twitter as well, at New Gen Ken. And make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, New Generation Media. Again, very good chance that our uh, our reviews of WandaVision will be on the YouTube channel. So you might not be anticipating, you might not be getting, you know, maybe a week-to-week analysis on this podcast as we do with other shows. Um, and we could be revamping how we do TV recaps because we are becoming coming up on weeks where we're going to have TV shows now. But either way, you want to make sure you catch that uh, YouTube channel content that we have. I know we've been focusing a lot on sports, but there will be way more hero stuff this year. So keep your eyes and ears peeled for that. Make sure you give us a subscribe. So search on YouTube, New Generation Media, to check us out. Thank you guys for listening in. See you guys next week. Kendall, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys.